0: Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Luke, Paul, and producer Dave. And today we'll be covering episodes nine and 10 entitled Collectors and Lost Hearts. And I do once again want to shout out the Reddit community, R Sandman no the on there no the just our sandman we thank them for being friends of the pod and if you're a reddit user go check them out for sure because if you're here you obviously like the show and if you found us from reddit hello and welcome we are Town tv and thanks for listening so <laughs> on to the episodes episodes nine and ten season one wrap up if you will uh Personally, I thought nine was the overall stronger episode that serial convention did it for me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then 10 was kind of just like wrapping up the whole vortex stuff was a little bit of a puttering to the end. But then probably the last 15 or 20 minutes saved it for me when they kind of started setting up for a potential season two. So still love this show. Still a strong completion to season one. And Luke, I see you with your hand up.
1: I gr- I completely agree with everything you just said. I think the last 15 minutes of episode 10 was fucking fire, but 9 was almost, I want to say, better than Lost Hearts. And I'm not trying to even undersell because like, I think that the last 15 minutes was almost like the best pound-for-pound for each of the scenes, and that's how they have to be for these long fantasy shows. And I'm so excited to talk about each one of those ones in depth. But yeah, this was just like the wrap-up of Corinthian, kind of. And that's not even fully true, but all I got to say is I fucking love this show. I'm really happy. In my mind, it stuck the landing. It wasn't as strong as episode six, which was one of my favorite episodes of TV in the whole of all of 2022. So it's kind of tough to beat that. But, you know, I think we're geared up for a good season, two. But the unfortunate news that's come out recently is that it hasn't been greenlit. And Neil Gaiman, the author of the source material, is pretty much... um. Appealing to the fans, trying really hard to get this pushed to season two because the problem that he explained is this show's fucking expensive. And you could tell the CGI is crazy good. The actors are there, they have some A list actors here. So I'm sure that's not cheap. And just there's a lot going on. So I get the expensive price tag, but Netflix, man, you got to renew this show. This is one of my favorite starts to a fantasy series of all time. And I'm begging for a season two. Yeah, it seems like right now we're really feeling the uh, negative effects
2: of being able to throw a shitload of money into just one season, because then that kind of sets the standard for seasons to come. And it's unfortunate for us as viewers, because like Luke and B. Tom's have been saying, like this, this season was incredible. Sandman was just a show that for me slipped under my radar, and just watching it every, you know, every few days with the podcast and everything has been such a joy and just a nice new fantasy show for us to digest and it is a shame that season two isn't coming well
1: no, we don't know that yeah
2: it's not greenlit so it's even the fact that it has to be discussed for it to get a season two is just crazy to me because Disgusting. the the numbers for it have been just unbelievable like Netflix's top watch show for the past like two or three weeks mm-hmm. um, so it's mind-blowing to me that even with the viewership that it's still not able to get um, a green light for season two um maybe we'll we'll probably we'll probably have to reconvene and do another podcast recording on when it does get greenlit or when it doesn't to try and sh- save it like we did with the wilds but i really hope they make the smart move and just pick it up
3: yeah we've had some heartbreakers since Binge town has been established uh shows that got canceled cursed. um i uh magicians i think is the one that <laughs> hits the hardest uh curse that's awesome um <laughs> And, you know, we just had the Wilds, too. But, I mean, there's still hope for the Wilds, so I would say there's still hope for the same man. It is it is so good. This world is phenomenal. I kept saying it. This show dragged me in um, to its world, and that's why I enjoyed it so much. It's a, such a cool concept. Um, Dream, such an awesome main character. Um, some, I got some questions about him, about Episode 10 and, and what exactly happened and went down. Um, I totally agree with you guys. I think um, 10 was almost, I don't want to say anticlimactic, but there was a little bit of uh, it wasn't like a big showdown with Corinthian at, at the end. It wasn't like a gu- gunslinger, you know? So yeah. Um, uh, overall, though, I mean, I'm so excited for these last two bonus episodes that they dropped. Um, maybe they wanted to put that into the season, but it just didn't fit. So they were somehow able to make this. I don't know what the original plan was. I know nothing about them. So I'm really excited to get into that.
2: Mm-hmm. Does, is 10 even considered this 10 is considered the season finale, right? Because I know on Netflix, it's list like the new episodes are listed as episode 11. So I just wonder if those are considered the finale of the show.
1: Uh, We're going to consider it the finale, I think, but it seems like this next episode is just considered bonus content because I think Dream's actor, Tom Sturge he voices one of the characters in it. So I don't know if that means it's animated or if like he's voicing an animal or something, mm -hmm. Um, but we're going to treat this podcast just going over nine and 10 and treat it like a finale with the exception of wrap-up talk which is what we usually like to do at the end of seasons talking favorite characters and scenes and stuff i think we're going to loop that in with our follow-up podcast when we do cover the bonus content so because this one i could see it going a little bit longer i want to keep it to what happened in nine and ten and then talk about that ending and then you know drink my whiskey and be super happy because i fucking love talking about the ending of all those crazy scenes with lucifer and dream and God. like oh god it was it's so dire. good in the ending
2: throw us in there
1: all right so If we're ready to start, we're going to take us back to the beginning of Episode 9, titled Collectors, and we're going to split the coverage of this episode up into two parts. It's going to cover the first portion. It will cover everything up until Rose, um, Corinthian, and Jed and Gilbert show up to the hotel and then before they get there. So it just split kind of pretty much in the middle. So to start, we're going to cover everything that had to do with Corinthian and Jed and how their journey from... I think it was Florida to the cereal convention goes, it's just a lot of playfulness from Corinthian just being charismatic and just, you know, you can never predict how he's going to, how his dialogue going to go. So we'll just cover, you know, the, the, the ice cream scene when they actually get to the hotel itself. And then um, I guess we could just open dialogue about what you guys want to talk about there.
3: I mean, I just couldn't be more happy for this kid enjoying that ice cream. I mean, he looked like the happiest kid in the world. It was awesome. And, man, the Corinthian is so good. I am, like – I was so sad to jump ahead at 10 because I'm not sure what his future holds in this show. And he was one of the mainstays of of what really drew me in. But he is so charming here. Um, You know, they asked him what his name is, and he, like – just plays it off and it goes into that whole monologue. Have you ever noticed people never use your name mm-hmm. unless you're in trouble or something like that? So uh, he, he was just so good. And I mean, if I was Jed, I'd be like, yeah, I'll follow you. You just got me out of that horrible situation. You got me ice cream. Like, fuck yeah, I'll follow you.
2: Yeah. I think that name, th- uh, the name quote that Corinthian drops that Paul just reiterated, uh, definitely has an importance in these upcoming episodes, especially when it comes to light baby. So I like how they kind of, made that kind of a staple quote for these two episodes.
0: I just appreciate kind of the difference between how we as an audience know that Corinthian is a serial killer with mouth eyes, but Jed sees him as his hero and rescuer from like a horrible situation. So just being a viewer and watching Jed, like just be this naive kid, happy as can be licking an ice cream cone when he's sitting next to this enormous threat. It's It was very unnerving as a viewer. They did a good job throughout the season of making me feel the tension. And this entire episode was just like tension because Jed's next to the Corinthian and serial killers the whole time.
1: Yeah, I took a little bit longer to really fall in love with the character Corinthian than you guys did. But by the end of this season, I was so in. He is nothing... I I brought it up on the first episode about how the first time dream appears, I think even before the title sequence and he gets captured in that alleyway when he's going to take dream back or Corinthians back to the dreaming, that whole scene just did not. And that whole scene did not go how I was expecting. Like Corinthian didn't try and fight back. He kind of just gets on his knees and knows that Morpheus is his King. Every single time I see him, he does he's pretty unpredictable and I, he just always does something that I'm not expecting. And it's freaking amazing because he's so smooth and suave. Like, yes, he's an evil motherfucker, but be, we find out in episode 10, the reason is because he is the embodiment of like evil dreams, kind of like what humans are unwilling to face. And it's supposed to be a helpful piece for humanity, which is what Dream goes on to explain. And while he is evil as fuck, like he never killed Jed and he never, he never did these things. He did murder some people. Sure. But I don't know. Basically what I'm just getting at is he's unpredictable. And I really, I really enjoyed that every single scene. I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know what he was going to say. And even even at the very, very end, he didn't even put up a fight with dream because he knew like the difference between an endless and a nightmare creation. It's just so cool to see like everything he everything he does is just interesting. Yeah. This serial convention was wild and it was so fun and just unexpected. Like mm-hmm. fuck Funland though. Like he's like the worst character in the show. The the, yeah. the, the fat yeah. guy with the of course. The yeah. Like, or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck him. Yeah. But I'm super happy that later Corinthian kills him. But just seeing all of these, like, you know what you're getting into when you're serial convention, we kind of, we knew it was going to be a convention for serial killers. We saw the
2: sign and I didn't even hesitate. I was like, this is going to be fun land. This is going to be the convention.
1: It was sweet with all the name tags and just like the rules that they had set up. And he truly was the guest of honor. All of that was so interesting. And that's what really stood out in episode nine, because I didn't see the collectors being so important in this cult that. Got started and grew into what it was because of the Corinthians killings a hundred years ago. Just I feel like the payoff for that was subtle, but it was so good.
0: Were they kind of alluding through this episode that Corinthian established serial killers in reality and in humanity? Because like, were they a thing 200 years ago? Like, were there Roman serial killers?
1: I think You're or were they Barbara. kind
0: of trying to establish that because at the end Morpheus is just like you only gave humanity one more thing to fear and he kind of refers to the collectors as a whole as his followers and that's what Gilbert was saying like he has this cult following him
1: I just think that they all became the way they were because of the dream of what he kind of was because that yeah. that's kind of like the theme of the season right like hopes yeah. and dreams guide people so when they had this this nightmare to look up to that was breaking the the barriers of the dreaming and reality and he was like there like kind of mm-hmm. creating this following i think that's what they were getting at it was very symbolic and hard to follow i'm not going to lie um but that's what i took from it and because of that like this this whole thing is amazing he is just the celebrity walking around everybody loves him he has that that one poser that Wants the i guess he was just like undercover cop or something but he also wanted to bang like there was so much going on and <laughs> it's all centered around the corinthian and his journey over the last 100 years since the pilot and what he was doing on earth actually had impacts and that's the part that i really liked
0: so what's and next at the convention
1: so we also get the actual the scene of the guy that invited him to be the guest of honor the old head um given the rules so did any of you guys write down all the <clears throat> rules for what the serial killer's weren't allowed to do like that whole introduction was pretty cool
0: i mean that was like the worst dark joke i've ever heard in my entire life (laughs) and kind of how the wave that overtook the crowd is even the serial killers were just like wow that is so wrong of you to say out loud but they were just like we are serial killers after all
3: it was so funny his name uh we find out is nimrod Um, but the rules that they had were one use the name provided on your name tag No civilian names. Rule number two, uh, we don't shit where we eat, so don't do any collecting until the convention is over and you're at least 200 miles or more away. Um, And three is what he was going to say about the family man has not been able to make it. But, you know, we have a new guest of honor, and it turns out it's the Corinthian. Mm Mm-hmm. And everybody like murmurs oh my god the great dude oh rebel 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 yeah rabble, rabble. <laughs> yeah and he like stands up and like uh to applause and everything he's like such a celebrity it's so funny how do we
2: feel about the family man potentially being uh the dick stepfather or whatever the adoptive father of jed no way no nah. no i mean i was nah. just coincidence that we the previous episode he gets killed and then this episode we get
1: no, no, well, no. We got no, no, no. The Guest back. of Honor was, yeah, it was already not showing up like four episodes ago.
3: When we first oh saw The Collectors. That was just
2: like my first thought was when he said the family man's not going to make it uh, for some whatever reason. I was like, OK, my first thought was Jed's father who had died, which would be crazy. But you're right. I, I I'm probably just theorized that really confirmed easily. debunked.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, how stupid is Jed? I mean, I know like yeah, he
0: has a child
3: yeah i know you have a horrible childhood and you're still a child but why the hell are you getting out of this room and like going like he's like peering in and like watching the corinthian and stuff like that like he wants to, yeah, he this wants, whole thing.
2: He wants to be a part of the cereal convention man he just wants to taste some <laughs> cereals
3: i know they had a line earlier when they were eating ice cream where corinthian was saying to him like oh yeah like you're <laughs> running away like here's a secret i'm running away too but like once we get to Rose, like we won't have to run anymore. So like I don't know. Just Jet think he's playing a game. Like I'd go see because he's like giggling and like laughing the whole time. But I'm like, oh my God, you had chicken fingers in front of the TV. You should have just stay there.
2: Yeah, he had that comfy robe on. I just yeah. think it was definitely just his curiosity of wanting to see the convention, maybe. But that could be a stretch.
3: We okay. also, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. I don't know if this is jumping too far ahead. I don't think it is, but um, like when he's Going amongst all the collectors there after, like, the initial speech, people are saying, like, you're too hot to be the Corinthian, you're too young, and then they go into, like, where does the Corinthian come from? I was like, that's really fucking cool, and we didn't get the answer, but they were bringing up, like, uh, is it from the bible yeah is it biblical like a reference to paul because you know reading from paul from the corinthians um and then are they saying is it the roman city vice i don't even know what that is but it sounds cool and we never get it no pissed
2: we also um see here after the three rules are given for a second that the corinthian uh has caught the attention of another gentleman Mm -hmm. gives him a little extra long sexy look so corinthian knows that uh he wants to play. Everybody
1: yeah. wants to bang and, the Corinthian. Yeah.
3: And it's it's right after people are asking him about his name, where Corinthian actually goes over and talk to him. And we see that he's wearing the boogeyman name tag. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, they, they kind of talk about maybe later getting drinks. They walk away. And then the people who invited him here, the people running the convention, the good doctor, and Nimrod come up and he's like, Oh, I see you've met the boogeyman. And he goes, I have. And that's not him. The mm-hmm. boogeyman's dead. He drowned in Louisiana three years ago. I was like, that is so cool that you know that. And that is that I want to know how, what happened. And I assume it was you or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: I was I, I wanted to get the details of what actually happened to the boogeyman. Because I was thinking the same thing, Paul. Like, did the Corinthian kill him? Definitely. Or did he just have yeah, an uh, eye that's... on all the serial killers of the time and just. No,
1: I think the Corinthian murdered the shit out of him. Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, but he why bar- he, he murdered the shit? And out why would
1: of he drown them? him, though? He couldn't eat his eyes that way this is when Rose does show up. So we're going to get us to that point. And the quick part of getting Rose to that point is getting Rose to, to Gilbert, right. When they leave and go on their, their road trip. So a couple things happen before this, and this is all kind of Lida based, super pregnant Lida talks with Rose. They have their conversation. She kind of says she wants to live with Hector. Um, And then we're also going to include in this part, because it's the most relevant is Matthew going back to Lucien and talking about Rose And then also Merv and dream's conversation about the earthquakes. Cause that's like this whole setup of what dream is of how dream gets involved in all this. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to see him again. Oh, I hope we keep seeing him. I feel like
0: he's like him, Cain and Abel. They're like, established people in the dreaming mm-hmm. but i guess i can start the conversation off since this is a lida heavy section and this just emphasized that she is not a great character to me i mean throwing <laughs> in the towel that. on reality i made my decision up i'm gonna live with the ghost in a dream that's mm-hmm. that's a very rational thing i'm choosing to do and then to skip ahead when rose like finds herself in the dream and she just appears like, oh, my gosh, welcome to our house. Let me give you the tour. Like, it's just a housewarming like none of this is real. And to bring us full circle, when Morpheus finally dropped the boot and was just like, look the fuck around you, lady. None of this is acceptable or okay." And she has the absolute audacity to be like, get out of our house. That is in your domain that I'm living in with a ghost just like this character is nothing to me. And I like, I, I don't know. I wanted to root for it too. Cause she seemed chill. She was an ally to Rose. And then she just went all in on this mm-hmm. ghost romance story. And I had no time of day for it. And she,
1: I'm glad it ended the way that it did. I'm on your team. Now you convinced me, um, Delilah sucks. And Dude. she has a awful scene at the end of episode 10 too in the hospital but we'll get there when we get there but yeah this this shit was crazy and i'm so mad that i was so close to guessing the fiddler's green thing and like how that was how did that go over our
2: heads furious at us yeah how did that go over well
1: i just mean that i thought it was the fiddler's green was connected to hector and um, close and like i was close yeah but it was clearly wrong you had
2: the right mindset and you were on the right track just not the right people yeah I just thought the only thing cool was that the fact that we see Lida actually get pregnant from a ghost, and I know mm-hmm. for a f- I have just th- this gut feeling that the child is going to be a big player going on with how the pacing of the show is and how quickly time moves. I could totally see us jumping into next season like ten years later, and then the child becomes like a big deal because he's half ghost or dreaming, half human.
3: You know, I uh, I had that written down like if you took a dna test of that baby what yeah. is coming up is it going to be all lita? is it going to be lita half lita half rose because you know she was a vortex or is it going to be Hector's dude who's been dead for a while like it's
2: it has it, to have some of hector's dna in it. Ma- However, yeah i agree with that because like i think
1: their final conversation again jumping ahead but their final conversation makes dream kind of confirm that he was actually like hector's essence
2: oh, actually
1: yeah i was going to say
2: so Technically, it would probably have dreams DNA in it. That's possible, too. (laughs) It's like we're kind of jumping the gun here, but he does admit he's like, I'm like, you can keep the child for now, but I am coming back for it because that is technically like my child, my son. Uh,
3: Well, he said it was born in the dreaming, and that's why it was
2: his. Maybe yeah, I was uh, like kind of overthinking the words, but that either way, he dreams coming back for it regardless.
1: Could you imagine that baby comes out and it's just super pale, brooding? (laughs) just looks like dream
3: full head of hair that
1: was so good <laughs>
3: that would be beautiful
1: we're another- photoshop dream's face onto a baby <laughs> that's that's the picture yeah
0: <laughs> another question that's coming to me now that we're talking about hector is to take a step back from like the romance baby plot how was hector able to avoid being forced to the sunless realm or whatever we're calling that. I was thinking the same thing. What made him special to even be allowed to become a ghost and just skip that? Um,
1: I think it's what I was saying in the last podcast episode has to do with Rose being so close to Lita, 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 whatever. That's her best friend. And she kind of, she bridges, she breaks the gaps between realities. And I can just buy that Lita's always dreaming about Hector and there's something there. It's obviously there's no hard science and we're not going to have a hard answer for you, but that's just my head cannon. And I think that's good enough for me where I don't think it bothers me i'm
2: i'm with you b toms because in my head i think of it like hector died however many years ago it was rose only just recently awakened her powers yep and so the timelines don't really match but that's the thing i'm coming to like kind of accept with this show is that not everything is going to be explained down to a t and you know i'm fine with that honestly like the show is just enjoyable to watch i'm not I'm not dissecting it like I would Game of Thrones. Like at this point, I just think that I don't think
1: that's right, because there's a difference between like unexplainable. We're talking we're in God realm here, right? Like, so you're not going to it's not like a bad writing decision, or I guess it's not a plot hole as much of a confusing writing decision correct i would
2: agree with that statement
1: because w- when you're saying the game of thrones thing like it doesn't live up to like game of thrones like i'm just saying like in terms of like when i think
2: back on the ruby the amulet of protection like none of those powers were fully explained to a place where i could be like yeah i i know all the answers to everything about those items
0: at a certain point the show is able to just explain it away the way unity does not to skip ahead in episode 10 but she's just like you're in a dream you can do whatever you want like yeah. dream magic is like above magic with rules it kind of is boundless
1: yes i will only have a problem when they start being inconsistent and just and making potholes mm-hmm. cuz yeah. but yeah i think we're we're all we're uh, None of us are saying it's bad.
0: No, it's noteworthy. Not We're going to bring it up as we come across it, but yes. nothing catastrophic
3: yet. Well, yeah, just to go off what you're saying, B-Toms, I, I get a little bit worried about it because like what um, was Hector down in hell or up in heaven for the past few years while he was died? And Dream pulled him out of their realm when the vortex was in for Lita, because that would breach a bunch of rules and stuff like that. Because they always talk about how there's rules and and uh stipulations that must be followed. And I'm like, that's a big deal if you're stealing a soul out of somebody else's realm to come into the dreaming. So it's I it's not
1: I, dream, it's it's the vortex, which it, but I, I was thinking
2: that he was one want- I took it kind of in the moment as Hector is wandering the sunless lands for years yep. wh- from since his death. And whenever light powers awoke, the dreams of Hector were no longer just dreams. They were actually Hector from the sunless lands. You know what I mean? Like the, the dream Hector, I don't know how to describe it, but so that's the, how the, I took it.
3: The sunless lands. He like, fell asleep in the sunless land.
2: Like Lida had probably been dreaming of he- like, we'll say dream hector for a while which is fine um but then with light's abilities to break right. down the walls you're saying rose's Lyta's abilities, abilities sorry yeah. rose's, rose's ability, abilities with rose's abilities she could break down the walls and then all of a sudden that hector that was wandering the sunless lands for however many years now became the entity that took the place of dreams
1: like pulled in that's how i that's, yeah, how, I, that's yeah. how i see it too. so
0: the one that made the baby was the one that death held hands with and flew yes. off yes. okay yes. i i buy that actually that because, the, because the of the conversation that
1: dream and lyda and rose have later is that like he says he needs to go back to where he was from because that that right there yeah. is enough for me to say dream knows that he is not a dream
2: i just want a little bit more explanation on the sunless lands because we know there there's a heaven and hell. So what would be the point of the sunless lands? Like, is it like a cue to get into like, there's just a, like a long wait list for people that just hang out in the sunless lands before well, they get decided to go heaven or hell. Like heaven it could be the sunless lands. Couldn't it? I feel like we've been told that they're definitely different. Like they've been used in <laughs> different contexts, but Again, I, this is also just me just pulling this yeah. off my it mind. It
0: seems but. like there are different ways that you get into the different realms. Obviously the dreaming they've, in conversations between the endless they note how easy it is humans willingly go once every single night but obviously Mm -hmm. it's much more difficult to get into hell you have to die and be in damnation it's Mm -hmm. there's probably a way to get into desires realm too and there's only one way to get into the sunless realm Mm -hmm. it's fucking die yeah all
1: conjecture at this point so it's not like we can say it's not thought out yet because it could get explained at some point and mm -hmm. then we're all fine but yeah i I mean i get it i get all the all the questions it makes total sense because we're inquisitive motherfuckers here but the two things that happen in the dreaming that are kind of connected to this and get the ball rolling is matthew goes back to lucien says rose is weakening lines between realms which is super relevant to what we were just talking about because that's the blanket statement he says and between realms doesn't just apply just apply to earth versus the dreaming it's the dreaming versus everything else is what i kind of took it at um, but she's being super salty still about that conversation with with Dream, and then the Merv conversation is just related to the earthquakes that Lyda and Hector are feeling in their in their realm. And and that's when Dream decides like, okay, I got to go make up with Lucien, and then I'm gonna go fix all this earthquake shit.
2: I love the makeup scene, man, between Dream mm-hmm. and Lucien. That brought me just some happiness because you know Lucien was definitely holding her ground, like you've been a dick to me, which. Dream kind of has been to her. And finally, she kind of slips some information. Dream's all happy, smiling. He's in a good mood. And it was just good to see the the two homies just reconcile their differences and just kind of realize, like, I need you. You need me. Mm-hmm. Let's just work together and make this like our realm just a good place. At Like, let's get our realm to a good place.
0: I'd say overall, Lucien kind of came out looking the good guy between their little feud whatever you want to call it i feel like dream i perceived as a little bit power hungry and like trying to assert his dominance more than he needed to but i did appreciate the big bad endless being able to be like hey has this maybe ever happened in the (laughs) hundred years i was gone uh that was like very humbling and him acknowledging mine and your relationship is above you know, me being the endless.
2: Yeah, yep. He's just like, have you any theories by <laughs> yeah. any chance on the origins of these quakes?
0: Yeah, completely removed the tension.
3: I have some theories, but I want to hear your theories first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was kind of annoyed at Lucien um, for episodes uh, what was it seven and eight. Um, you know, I said she was kind of not giving Dream the respect he needs, but I, I guess I wasn't really seeing the whole side because I kind of did see where she was coming from. This episode, you know, <clears throat> where she's saying, you know, I helped do all of this while you were gone. I know, I, I, I know, like I'm not expecting to take over. I'm, I'm not trying to step on your toes at all, but this is what happened when you were gone, and you know. But it was just what you were saying, B. Tom's cool to see, like the endless actually be humble.
1: Yeah, and another line that gets thrown around i forget what part specifically in the dreaming but galt was confirmed banished to a place a noun a proper noun called the darkness now i'm assuming that's either what we saw at the end or where he just sends punishment like punish nightmares and dreams too i don't know but that was just a cool little world building in the dreaming itself doesn't
0: sound like a good place definitely not
1: Nah, it sounds, sounds
2: like a dark. place where people or things don't dream. It's just a part of the world, maybe, or universe that nothing living is in, and they just send them there.
1: All right, let's take us to get to the actual hotel. Last thing that happens is Gilbert and Rose, go to. they drive to the convention, and then it's just everything up until they actually get to the hotel. So it's like the whole car ride. I was still super salty at this point for getting like everything wrong cuz I was still having Gilbert as the <laughs> prodigal in parentheses. I really thought he was going to be the prodigal. That's a season 2 plus thing. Um but yeah, just like Unity talks here. Um and then yeah. I knew
2: When they're in the car and she's asking him these personal questions like, oh, where are you from? You sound English. Like, are you from England? He's like, oh, you know, I just left my home and made it my mission to see as much of the world as possible. I'm like, we know you're more important than what you're leading us to believe. You know, like he's sitting there. He's just being so vague with his answers. I really in my head in this car ride was like, he's the prodigal. He has to be or he's one of the endless that dipped out years ago because he had mentioned that he left his home. And maybe that was part of the endless that had the one endless that we know of that had left their realm and just never looked back. So I coming with all these crazy theories and we just don't get the confirmation. Is it in this episode we get the confirmation or is it next episode that he becomes like, we find out that he's fiddlers. We don't
0: get like the confirmation until he, I think next episode when he turns himself into Lucienne. It's the end of this episode. End of this episode. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Which episode. Uh, it was actually exactly what you were saying, Dave. At that point in the car, I was—I said, you know, is he a dream? I was starting to put it together. I literally wrote down. So this is when I first started to think, and I actually thought he was Fiddler's Dream because of the line where he said, "I ran away from home," and blah blah blah, seeing the world. Um, Piss. I can't. I can't put that. I can't like confirm that because it wasn't last episode. So I'm pissed. But uh, yeah, it's something that we definitely seems like we should have called. But he had a he had the cool like analogy about like how hope what is it? Charity, faith, and hope are like actually paradoxes. And I thought that was cool, but it literally put Rose to sleep. And <laughs> yeah. that's when she starts like going into like that's uh, the,
1: the Hector and the light, the lead I can't remember Lida. how what is it? I think it's Lida. It,
3: it doesn't matter because
1: he's sucks. Yeah, yeah, fuck right. Her.
3: And, like she I was getting so pissed off at this episode and we'll it was it actually Hector's plus one. Yeah, the, um the earthquakes and everything going off actually started when Hector went down on Lita. So, you know what the
0: worst thing about Lita is, is she would gladly take that name, Hector's plus one.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. she really would. she <laughs>
0: said earlier in this season, I'm let's be let, who are we kidding here? I'm nothing without him. Yeah. Oh my god. <clears throat> what? <laughs>
1: You are your own person. Yeah, dude, you're awesome,
0: Lida. How did we get Uh,
1: here? (laughs) I did not think we were going to turn into a Lida hater, but I'm in. Look, she's
0: she will come up when she gives birth, and I'll make a judgment about that. She was not great in this story arc, and I look forward to seeing her again, and I'll
2: shit talk her then, too, if she still sucks. Yeah, this is where we get B-Tom's rant with, you know, Lida welcoming uh rose with open arms into her dream house and dreams is kind of following them watching them and we get the explanations that it is confirmed rose is the the cause of the earthquake surprise surprise
0: so i like how she i'm sorry paul i love how rose casually said Lida you remember my friend morpheus lord of dreams
3: right (laughs) yeah that is a peaceful
0: moment sorry
3: ridiculous (laughs) go ahead paul uh so i'm assuming that the baby literally just grows in her dream because light is like oh like it's been months and rose is like no it's been two hours like you literally sleep in the next yeah. room like i didn't even leave yet or i just left like to go on the road a few hours ago um so i that was confirmed that's-
1: earlier though um that the time isn't the same it's not a yeah. one-to-one
3: yeah so when she wakes up, though, she's like, I think that's when it jumps back into like normal timing. So she like yeah. must have woken up like right before she gave birth. Um, but I was just getting so pissed at the lack of respect for Dream the Endless here.
1: Like, mm-hmm. just
3: like you are so
2: naive. He's just got to present things a little nicer.
1: He's no, doing he doesn't everybody's they're yes. beneath him.
3: He's giving. He's just just because just have a little you don't. Is all I'm saying. Uh, just, just because you don't understand why he's saying what he's saying or why he has to do it doesn't mean that he's wrong. Mm-hmm. And they're so naive. They like are infinitesimally young compared to all the knowledge that Dream the Endless has. And they are just like, you're not going anywhere. Hector. you're staying right here. I'm not losing you again. I'm like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> leader. Like, what are you trying to do? You're trying to, you're literally asleep in the real world. What are you going to do? Just die in your bed? And like that's it. So I was, I don't know. I was getting so. I love that
2: dream. I love that dream. Counters with nor can a human, you know, escape her sorrows in the dreaming. Like sit, sit down, Lida. Sit down.
3: Yeah, I didn't. I almost got more pissed off with Rose right after. Because dream goes back to his throne room and then Rose follows. Well, no, he does the
1: cool this he doesn't he say this dream's over, right? And he like ends it. Yeah, so badass.
3: After saying, you know, the child was conceived in the dreaming and in his mind, one day I'll come from it. Then he goes, This is this is over. I was like, that's that is sick.
1: But then he gets hit with the Uno reverse card here by Rose, who's kind of manifesting dude. her powers. And she says, no, this dream is over now after going to the throne room following him. That was a good yeah, cool moment.
3: That was I was kind of mad. I was like, dude, that's dreams thing. You can't do that. <laughs> uh, but I was getting pissed because she goes, you killed my friend in front of his wife. And then you threatened to take her baby. And I'm like, all right, listen to here, Rose, you fucking child. You're what, 21 <laughs> years old. Like, first of all, the baby's your fault that she is pregnant because of you. Uh, first of all, and then second of all, Dream didn't kill your friend, he didn't kill her. Hector died, he is getting this parasite out of this realm. And if he doesn't, then literally humanity will be destroyed because they'll be sucked up in with their own subconscious. Like, and they're mad and they're like, Oh no, that I don't care. I'm gonna keep this baby here. I'm like, Rose, you're so so naive
1: it was so it was really it's just so short-sighted. Yeah, short-sighted like dream is doing a favor for everybody else and it's yes. like you, you just you know whatever whatever it's pissing me off yeah all right let's move ahead and get to when everybody shows up at the hotel because after after rose wakes up from that dream that's when gilbert and her get to the royal whatever the fuck it's called the the royal Royal empire hotel Hotel. yeah Yeah. so we kind of covered a little bit of the things that happen right when they show up and that was like the boogeyman situation we have jed spying and, and seeing all of this go down then the corinthian rats on the boogeyman being fake we said all that rose you know it's the classic cinematography of rose just missing jed and stuff right like they're they're just missing each other by a couple minutes whatever the next like interesting thing I, I wrote down that happens is they is Rose and Gilbert decide to split up and look for Jed and Gilbert sees some of the funniest things ever at the serial convention. Did any of you guys have anything written down? Because I didn't have anything besides women's work and then the religion thing. There was another convention that he saw, but all of them had hilarious dialogue.
2: I think the third one was like the opposite of religion. It was like, we do it because we want to kind of thing. Whereas the second ones were like, we do it because God told us to do it. Wasn't it, was it one ransom
1: Like how to ransom correctly or something like that? I
3: forget what uh, the first one was. Yeah, fuck. I didn't write down the first one, mm-hmm. but I did write down some of the names. The, well, the names that Rose steals, the name tags, is the Dutch uncle is what she gives to Gilbert, which I just think is so funny what a weird name
1: I've never been she, an uncle
3: yeah <laughs> and she's the babysitter and then we get the choir boy we get hello little girl which is <laughs> oh just like god unbelievably creepy uh carry on and then we got uh the connoisseur who was talking to the water boy and the water boy is like yeah i, I have 171 most of them drowned and the connoisseur <laughs> is like Um, It's not a numbers game for me. It's a a quality. It's about the person. (laughs) And Gilbert's like, listen to all this. Like, what the fuck is going on? And then, yeah, women's work. And they get into the, you know, we have to work against the bias that people think we use our sexuality and it's easier because of that we're like meanwhile we work just as hard it's so funny
0: <laughs> don't they aren't they pissed that they're like everybody says we use our femininity and we yeah. all
3: know they're talking about
0: sexuality yeah <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah and then yeah we got the religion and one dude was talking about like i take their lives and i give them my like i give them new life in my heaven And one dude's like, I would like to not include myself with this maniac. Like I (laughs) do the Lord or the real, the hammer of God. I think this is guy. And then the crooner too. He was there. And he's like, I don't want to kill people. God tells me to. And that's when Gilbert is like, oh my God, like these people are murderers.
0: And I believe he kind of runs out and he looks up and this is where he sees the Corinthian, right? Mm
3: -hmm. Like they kind of lock
0: eyes from the other side of the hallway. And Gilbert knows exactly what that means. But Corinthian was probably just like, what in the hell is Fiddler's green doing here right now? No, well, I, don't I don't think, think he, he would. Right that's I what know. I
3: was getting. I was He's, thinking, why the hell is Corinthian saying, why the hell is this old dude looking at me? And who the yeah. fuck is he? And Fiddler's green is like, Oh fuck. Uh, that's Corinthian. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Which makes
1: it better. Yeah. Cause that, and you really only figure that out after the reveal later, but that's, which actually happens kind of in this next bucket of scenes. But yeah, that, that moment's sweet because I still at this point thought he was the prodigal. Oh, I t- mm. especially here because Corinthian
2: gives a look of confusion as if yeah. he's re- As if he recognizes him, he doesn't know he's fiddler's green, obviously. Like we said, I thought I, I, in the moment I was like, i set on him being the prodigal. And I was like, Corinthian doesn't recognize him because he's never met the prodigal. Mm-hmm. But he has a hunch that it could be him and i'm like oh my god it would have made sense yeah it still would have made sense yeah for sure but that was the the tension there was amazing i loved it and in the moment too corinthians talking about sharing the kill on phil with um the old guy and the the nimrod and the good doctor yeah so they're planning on killing phil and sharing the experience together
1: yeah and then so that that's pretty much like the main next couple of things that happened dream and lucien already reconciled at this point but that's when gilbert shows up and the and the reveal is right here in the dreaming in the royal library and this and there was a couple of really good things here because i just loved how dream was like so hurt and disappointed that fiddler's green left even though he he ends up forgiving him saying like i shouldn't have blamed you whatever i was gone for 100 years but that was just he's like i'm so i'm so disappointed that you left Mm -hmm. so good
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is just a really great, heartwarming uh, moment. Like because the other, the two characters of the three, uh, I always keep forgetting what they're called. The three calamities. Major arcana. I keep thinking calamities. Yeah, the major arcana. Mm-hmm. Like we had been exposed to the Corinthian, who was a villain. We first got introduced to Galt as to potentially being a villain. So I thought Fiddler's Green was going to fit in that category of kind of villainy. So it was a nice surprise to see Fiddler's Green was actually a good nightmare. Which I still don't. see. I don't
1: know. I don't. do they ever clarify that he was a nightmare?
3: No, no, I th- I think he's just a dream. Dream yeah. that just I don't think Major lurk.
1: Arcana are nightmares. They I think what he said earlier in the season is that they each have like their own domain or something like that. Something something along the lines of that. Weird. He
0: said that specifically about Fiddler's Green. Okay. Yes. like that's, is, I, he is his own
3: domain, I guess. Because I think that's why the glass
2: we saw was a portrait of just that open landscape, yeah. which makes sense.
3: Yeah. And I think that's why Dream was like, oh my god. Philip green is gone that's Mm -hmm. super surprising because he's like not a nightmare trying to escape and he he's literally was a dream that almost abandoned more than and then Mm -hmm. ran away
1: but another thing that happens is after dream leaves and he he we have a quick scene of gilbert talking to lucien and this kind of just solidifies the character development um of dream throughout this season he says like whoa Like dream has changed so much when Lucien doesn't want to believe it. She's still a little salty. And he says like, he's willing to apologize. Like he has changed so much since the last time he's been here. And this is a great thing. So like, that was kind of a meta analysis of what, of how good the character development over the last hundred years has been for dream. And I'm going to bring that up a hundred times throughout this podcast, especially at the end, because I think that's what this season is defined by for the character of Morpheus and, and, like, going forward, we now have an established, developed, person, um, endless god that cares about humanity, all because of the events of these first nine to ten episodes.
3: Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I, I like this conversation a lot. Um, especially when Dream is saying to Lucienne, like, uh, you're right, I should never have used a vortex to locate the missing arcana. And she was like, well, you know... Truth be told, it worked. You know, she found them both. And she like, what? And then comes, you know, Fiddler Green told me. And in comes Gilbert. Fiddler's Green does say, you know, turns out life as a human has given me experiences that I never thought I would hold most dear. But that's why I came back. He's murdering them. He's murdering humans. Um,
2: And this is where he also explains to Morpheus that the Corinthian is now with Rose and uh, Morpheus is freaking out because that obviously would be worst case scenario.
0: Yeah. But at this exact moment in time, the Corinthian is murdering the shit out of Philip with Good Doctor and Nimrod and who walks in. But lucky Lou Jed, just wrong place, wrong time. He same pokes in. in. Everybody's. He is the sandman, so he can take care of himself, but he chooses to run in this instance. And Corinthian creepily looks up, says, This one's mine. And this is where he runs right into Funland guy, which oh my gosh, you cannot find a worse person to run into.
2: Like this is where I was feeling like this episode feels like the most comic booky episode we've gotten so far with like the cheesy humor that was all it was really good still i like the cheesy humor and everything with the serial convention and like but here it was like Mm -hmm. everything that could have went wrong went wrong like Jed is alone running from people and just running into more and more serial killers like this just felt a little bit comic booky to me not that it was a bad thing but it was just it was funny
0: to be fair at a serial killer convention so he was bound to run into some of them Yeah, of course yeah (laughs)
1: But, but you, you, just, you could just take us home here because it's the end of the episode.
0: Yeah, Funland tries to take him up to his room. Meanwhile, Rose is finally able to kind of run into Jed in just one of the random hallways, at which point they kind of run into each other and Funland can't keep up the act, gets very possessive, and the episode essentially ends with them getting cornered by Funland And then Funland getting stabbed by Corinthian, who says, don't worry, you'll be safe with me, Uh, which does lead us directly into episode 10. We start off with them in the hotel room, but I'm not sure how we're bucketing up
1: episodes. Let's let's just continue straight on because episode 10 titled Lost (laughs) Hearts Mm -hmm. is going to be way more in order because everybody's kind of together. The main, the main plot is being moved scene to scene. So yeah, we're still right outside directly after don't worry. You're safe with me. And Corinthian has a really good conversation with Rose and Jed in the room. Like this is what I was kind of getting at before. I thought he was going to be way more villainous in this point. He almost gives them the option to fucking leave if they want to. Like all of this was just so interesting to watch because I thought this was going to lead to a super battle over Rose like in the room when Dream showed up, but it it was just, you know,
0: I think he's smart enough to know that he's not as strong as Dream, Mm -hmm. nor is he as strong as a fully realized Vortex. So his only approach here is to have a better logical reason for the Vortex to align with him versus Dream. So that's the approach he goes with, tries to make friends with them, show he's not a threat and be like, hey morpheus is after you i know for a fact he one of his duties is to kill the vortex i'm the other offer on the table if you want to talk we can talk and if you didn't know he was a serial killer that is a very logical choice
1: yep
3: Mm. he gives her the keys here right Mm -hmm. he gives her he's like hey you know and i was freaking out i was like theory theory like Proof to help uh, back me up with this Corinthian thing because he's like, you know, I'm going to go down for an hour. I'm going to come back. I'll knock.
2: You
0: want to
3: let if you want to <laughs> le- let me in, you can let me in. If not, if not, and I was like, cool. Like that's it. Corinthian can't come in. He needs to be invited in. And then we never got an answer. So I assume that's not a thing. And I was just making shit up. Um, but
1: admit that to the writers because they've pretty much have held to it. It still uh, is not. It dismissed. was a thing, Paul. It <laughs> was not dismissed at all
3: yeah maybe maybe it's more in those books and they're just giving the the fans that know all the all the backstory and source material yeah the easter eggs there
1: um okay but after that conversation i just want to keep moving us along because there's so much interesting shit to talk about um let's go to corinthian going downstairs to be the guest of honor and give this speech all the way up until rose breaks them out of the dreams that's like four or five things but it's prior to that final confrontation between Dream and, and the Corinthian. So it just starts with the really well-written speech by Corinthian. He is just so gripping. And if I was in that fucking audience, whatever he says, I'm in for. Yeah, yeah. running my head through a wall after that speech. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready I mean, to go.
3: Nimrod is Nimrod is like this is proof that dreams do come true. Like
0: mm-hmm.
3: he basically would have sucked off uh Corinthian if if Corinthian wanted it. Nimrod <laughs> would have done anything for him. And he was saying, like he's one of the originals.
2: Corinthian is literally Morpheus to these people. Like they literally say that he's made our dreams come true. Yada yada yada, and they worship him as Mm -hmm. this god. And he just does an excellent job with his speech. We kill to kill. We're like entrepreneurs in an expanding field. It was just such a well-written speech. And seeing the serial killers get motivated too—it's—it's so. They're so happy, and it's so fucked up and dark, and I just love it because they just are getting so excited from these fucked up words that the Corinthian are speaking. That we just murder people to murder people, like we just want to know what it's like. We want to have freedom. So
3: so
1: good, man. Yeah,
3: his opening line was great. He was like, "I don't usually speak in public," and just that alone was hysterical. (laughs) Because like, yeah, no fucking serial killer does.
1: But in the middle of that speech is when dream makes his appearance and, but he fucks. Yeah. He yeah. Corinthian
2: pretty much fucks everyone over because he tells everyone to close their eyes. And I guess some of them just start dozing off and that's how dream got right. summoned there. So he kind of screwed himself on yeah. that. In that well,
3: sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, dream dream was on his way, but it was cool how everybody in the audience kind of did get sucked into their own dream. When their eyes were closed, took me a little bit to catch up on that because corinthians still narrating like who we are and he's mm-hmm. saying like a butcher or whatever and it goes to the connoisseur in his his little room chopping people up and then it goes to the good doctor nimrod you like sewing uh, a jacket of people's skin together which was yeah. weird to watch um because so, it's going
1: it, on the same time as rose fell asleep and like the dreams are starting yes. to become reality and
3: they keep shown rose in the hotel room sleeping next to jed yes Uh, and she and she like gets up it's it's kind of around this time she kind of gets up with him and runs away but we learn she never actually did that she is still sleeping Mm -hmm. um and that's why she's she like walks out into all these sierra killer's dreams and this is kind of to go on to what dream is saying to corinthian that they're getting into that whole face-off and Dream's saying, I'm disappointed. You know, I messed up creating you. And, you know, that's always tough to hear. The Corinthian was was finally standing up for himself because he knew he actually had a chance or he was like, What? Well, so what? Like, you're going to take me back to the Dreaming? Because I'm not going without a fight. And, like, pulls out the knife. And Dream is like, enough. You know, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm Dreaming the Endless. And puts up his hand, starts to turn to sand. And Corinthian stabs him. And I was pissed. I was like, how, how are you doing this? But we learn it's because is is this Corinthians dream? Corinthians like uh, projecting his dream onto all these other serial killers and and uh, and the vortex Rose is making that real. And in this dream, he's able to actually hurt Dream of the Endless Morpheus.
1: So I don't think it actually matters whose dream it is. I think the bottom line is that Rose is just blending the two together. So it doesn't matter whose dream it is if it's on Earth if it's secondly in the dreaming. She's kind of manifesting a huge like almost all of her powers at this point i think she's just connecting everybody together everybody's sleeping no rules essentially is what i took from it and you know that sounds like soft um like a soft magic system which it really is like we're not going to get hard details but that's just again like uh, what i was talking about earlier i don't think it it creates plot holes but it's just something that can't really be explained
3: yeah it's insane because she was tearing down walls between dreams and people in different realms' dreams, so that's just like she could be anywhere.
0: One complaint I have is, once Corinthian saw that that one stab worked, why was he not going
3: <laughs> at it while Sandman
0: was in shock? <laughs> yeah, that's true. He should have jumped on that.
2: I think he but... was in just as much shock as yeah. Dream, yeah, yeah I honest. don't know. That's more <laughs> a joke thing.
0: Of course, that wasn't going to happen. But
1: go gonna- to. <laughs> could have happened, but this was just like a huge philosophical conversation between the two and then rose ends up showing up and they're just trying to like talk over each other and convince her like what to really do but this is where the line comes in that i was like holy fuck is when dream says that what the vortex will do is it's eventually going to make all of the dreams collapse on itself and it'll consume this whole universe and he says i failed in a previous universe and that's exactly what happened and i was just like I, I didn't even know what to say to that because that's just that's crazy. That just speaks to how insane the endless are. And they're just like above anything universes? we comprehend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: This also kind of explains why Rose was so short-minded, because I guess she was never told explicitly that hey, what you're doing could literally destroy the world. So I that kind of balances out the the obnoxiousness that she was giving us in episode nine. Um but yeah, Dream absolutely putting in her place here. Just, I actually like the quote from Rose here, too, when she's saying, if I'm as powerful as you say I am, then I will find my own way. I kind of like that. She was willing to accept her powers and kind of just do what she wanted to do with them. Yeah. And she does the the dream over thing. She just makes everyone wake up, which was awesome to see because... I just want to know, like, how fucking strong could she be at her, like, her peak? You know, like, how easy if her and Morpheus were to fight, what well, would happen? Now it's irrelevant. I n- now it's completely irrelevant, but yeah. it's just she had um, to me, like, the way she was waving her hand, her powers were almost identical mm. to Morpheus.
3: But I was, I was kind of mad because I was like, she's been, she, she just learned about her powers and now she's almost as powerful and like a huge danger to Dream. I was like, do any of the other endless have to deal with vortexes of their own because that would be fucking insane if like death there was somebody as powerful as death that dead had to take care of like that that's fucking ridiculous
1: i hope that that is the thing me too that'd be yeah, sick that other realms have their own anom- anomalies like that matter which might be true because his Haz- azazel seemed like he was challenging lucifer in the end and like that who knows I don't know that could be grasping yeah. at straws though, because Azazel is like a, a famous demon
0: and Lucifer is an, an endless. Also don't true. Think. Never mind. Take yeah. it back.
1: But uh, let's, let's take, let's take the Corinthian storyline, put a bow on it for this season, because this is the, this is it after Rose wakes them up, they have their final dream and Corinthian have their final talk on the stage in front of the collectors. And who wants to start?
3: <laughs> I was just sad. I was also amazed that Corinthian could, somehow show that he was sad with his facial acting without having eyes to actually portray that
1: (laughs) which he took the glasses off
3: yes so we did get to see the little teeth there we didn't get to see the teeth in action eating any eyes but that's okay he was still such a cool bad guy um i was i'm really hoping and i have a lot of hope that he will come back at some point because of you know when he, he does get turned to sand his little um icon his statue
0: it's really a skull
3: yeah is is a skull with with teeth in the eyes i'm like that's such such cool that could be a jolly roger right there that's a really cool like flag that people would recognize you
0: really cool i i agree with you paul i'm pretty interested about what's going on with that skull thing and then we also see him at the end of episode of this episode shaping new dreams and nightmares so that's a really cool concept that they really didn't dive into This season yet, but yeah, good send off for the Corinthian. He kind of shows his a little bit of humanity and a little bit of. I was just trying to do what you made me to be. And unfortunately you made me an abomination who's supposed to kill people. Like what did you want me to do? And dream kind of just says, I didn't want you to do it in reality, which is unfortunate for Corinthian. Mm -hmm. You feel the tiniest bit bad for Corinthian, which means the writers did their job of making me feel what he's
3: supposed to do. He did his job. He did what he was made to do. And dream just says, you know, I know. And I made you wrong. Like, I'm sorry. Like that. I would just hurt to hear.
0: (laughs) No, it's honestly, um, and maybe I'm jumping a little bit too far ahead, but I think the Corinthian verse dream thing was a little bit overshadowed by how dream winds up addressing the rest of the serial killers, Mm -hmm. the punishment that he doles out to them. I thought that was so just awesome. It was perfect.
1: So, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how I took it: was that he go, dream gets super badass at this point, like he's he's <laughs> he's in full fledged. You, yeah, you are. <laughs> he, ta- yeah, dude, I love his voice so much, but he takes away their hopes and dreams, which is like kind of the corinthian and it makes them face that their face their guilt and their humanity right is that pretty much so the way way their dream
2: of always being right pretty much if
0: you've ever watched mind hunter Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh serial killers seem to do some mental gymnastics that tell them what they're doing is based in reason or acceptable or they're doing the right thing but it's it's completely disillusioned and i can't go any farther into it but he essentially said I'm taking away your ability to justify that what you're doing is okay. Sure, I am making ask. you see yourself like humans are supposed to see. you are going to feel
2: for all the families that yeah. of the people that you've murdered. And this was something I did not expect to see at all. And wow, the scene delivered. This was like almost as, badass the diner scene at the very end Dude, if not like more badass similar way, yeah. yeah he
1: says something like face my judgment and i just had chills in my hey, whole man. body i was like fuck would, yeah bro
3: he has the line uh where he's saying you have created these fantasies aka these dreams that make you the victim mm-hmm. so i'm taking that away this, this dream that you created for yourself um and just Everybody's reaction, I would be like Nimrod, dude. Go in, get that gun, and fucking shoot my brains out if you just had like a giant dam holding back all of that like human feeling that you should feel. And then that dam breaks and it all rushes in at once.
2: Yeah. You realize what you've done is like the worst thing you could do in the eyes of the world. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was so well done, man. Yeah. I, these are the moments of the show where I'm just like, this show is so fucking good,
3: you know? The good is. doctor, good doctor calling 911 to turn herself in.
2: Yeah, crazy. I like,
3: love that. One little thing that I hate, and all bunch of movies and shows do this. She answers, like, Lita calls and then goes, hello, 911. No, I'm sorry, not Lita. She
1: cool. kind of looks like Lita, though.
3: <laughs> I, the good doctor. I don't know where Lita <laughs> came from. Geez. She
2: had more depth than Lita ever will.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> fuck Lita. Uh, get, can we get t-shirts? Just fuck Lita. <laughs> um, and the good doctor goes in the car and she could dials 911. And then she goes, hello, 911? <laughs> Nobody does that. The operator answers and goes 911. And then you say, what's going on? You don't say... You don't call and be like, "Hey, oh, hi, this is Luke." And I'm like, "Hi, is this Luke?" Call, like, of. dude, yeah. Like, you say nine one one just so the viewer knows, but it's so annoying because that nobody will ever say that in your life.
2: <laughs> Sounds like those uh, police sirens are coming for you, Paul. Are you admitting to your crimes? Yeah, shit. You're close uh, the
1: window, I'm dude. very last thing I'll say about this scene, and then one more wrap up line, um, and then we can move on. Is I'm surprised you didn't bring this up, Paul, because this was pretty up your alley here where dream tells Corinthian before he, I guess, absorbs him or whatever he does. He says, I am literally responsible for all of humanity's collective unconsciousness. If I didn't have rules, I would just collapse on myself. And that right there was so fucking Epic. And it just goes to show you why he sticks to all of his hard rules and why he's trying to create this order that he does in the dreaming, because if he doesn't, he's literally in control of people's minds around the world for one third of their entire lives. Like that's a lot of responsibility and yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I
3: loved it. And I was like, now any of your actions, anything you do is totally justified yeah, because it's in the name of literally saving everybody. And Rose is, is mad about it. And oh my God, it was pissing me off. Like, of- oh. like, Why are you questioning everything that he does?
1: One of the MVP lines of the episode, but uh, last thing I'll say on the Corinthian is, um, this the show took a very interesting direction when it came to some of these villains like i think there's a very clear and obvious parallel between uh john lupin like his his villain arc and the corinthians where at the surface level you might think their ending was anticlimactic because there wasn't this huge throwdown or brawl and there wasn't a, a massacre that happened but the actual conversations that happen with dream first, they change dream. They usually have a lasting effect on dream as the, as an endless, but second is yeah. Like the, you're, you're not seeing the destruction that they caused but you can, when you take a step back and look at what they did to the world by just existing, where John D. Destro, like he made everybody fuck, then kill each other. Basically around the world, there was all this destruction that wasn't at the forefront. And then same thing with the Corinthian. He inspired this cult that murdered people for over a century like this it's just crazy subtle background things that are happening that really go and make the villain arc satisfying and i just think if you're just watching surface level you might not care about it but like they you might just be like oh well they just kind of died too easily and did put up a fight but yeah but they also ravaged the earth and you just it's just not the last thing that you see before their characters are gone And i just really appreciated that because i'm sure on a rewatch like both characters live up to to a satisfying villain and they're both
2: going against an endless they're they're both mm-hmm. people one was a human and one was a dream a a dream of a like a creation of dream so they're going against they're the underdogs in this yeah. situation but they do nail it, I think, with the finales. And I think like Luke said, rewatching will definitely give you a little bit more of an appreciation Mm -hmm. for their arcs.
3: Yeah, I guess that's something I never really thought about, but you're completely right. Both of them, you know, they like actually was able to go through with their evil plot. You know, like James Bond. James Bond always stops them right before they the evil villain does whatever their plan is. But it's like, no, these guys, Corinthian and John, they did their plan. And, you know, they just had to uh, clean up the mess afterwards. Like Corinthian inspired murderers everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah, John, you know, he he actually did go through his evil plan for a little bit. For
1: The damage was done yeah. by the time they got stopped. So that's just, it's just cool. It's just an interesting take because not a lot of shows are willing to make the climax happen for their villain arcs before they get taken down like that. So I just appreciated that. Yeah, so that's
2: um, the first climax of the episode, pretty much.
1: Yeah. So uh, I have one, two, three, four, like four more, five more big scenes here. And because this is the ending and this is kind of what I've been super hyped to talk about, it's the, all the wrap up scenes with the different characters. We're going to take them one by one. And the first one's the quickest. And I'm going to let B-Toms take us through because this is just Rose and Jed um, leaving the hotel, showing up at the hospital after getting the Lida's given birth scene. And we see all the airbnb there. And um, Lida and, and Rose have that conversation about what to do about dream killing her that night.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see Jed actually run into a room full of people who are genuinely going to be nice to him. He goes to Chantal and uh, Zelda and they're just like, "Ooh, we have a collection of arachnid taxidermy like any kid would love to see those two. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, let's talk about all the pomp and circumstance going around Lida's pregnancy that's been going on for all of two days. Everyone's dropping everything they're doing in life to go shower her with praise and care and cakes. Like, OK, it's the Lida show now. Been pregnant for two days with a ghost guy. Like,
3: God, yeah, whatever. They, that whole Airbnb house is interesting because they know what's going on. I'm pretty sure Rose like tells them they they saw rose and all of their dreams so they they know it's it's so weird because they have the conversation here they're like uh you knew lita was pregnant right you don't have to tell us who the father is like who is he didn't this all happen in like 2 days exactly like you're saying it doesn't make sense to me that they kind of know what's going on with the dreams Yet they don't. They're just going with the flow, and everything. I think it doesn't
1: click until after this next dreaming sequence. Like they kind of are just aware of it a little bit, but there's never been a situation where that they were together in the dream world until the vortex thing happens next. So I don't, I don't necessarily know that they know anything supernatural is happening yet at okay. this point. I got you.
0: Yeah, but this is where Lyda encourages Rose to take out Morpheus.
1: Yes, this is the part that I fucking Which is, hate. I hate her for this, all this.
0: yeah. I kind of forgot that happened. <laughs> like inexcusable. Yes, that you're out of here, you're done. She's like irredeemable. You, I forgot about this. She's
1: like, You can uh, you have the power to, to destroy the world with your dreams, you can figure out a way to kill dream. It's like, go fuck yourself, yeah. Lida,
0: yeah, Lida knows what the what this magic is all about. She <laughs> doesn't have a clue, let me tell you. Yeah. She,
3: she took away my the dream of my dead husband being with me. You need to kill him and destroy humanity. Fuck you, Lida. Mm-hmm.
2: Rose now knows that her abilities are going to shatter the the world, and she's still going to just listen to Lida about this and not explain that. So
1: night. I took it as Rose was kind of resigning herself to die that night. In, in, oh, true. in almost you're, like you're a right. moral you're, way.
2: You're absolutely right. She was expecting to die.
1: Yes. I think Which she, is why she was setting up the call with Unity saying... Hey, like, mm-hmm. if I somehow die, like, can you take care of Jed? She's like, of course,
2: because she does call Unity. She was talking to her butler or someone in the last episode, kind of explaining her thought process of wanting to adopt Jed and Rose. And here we get the confirmation from Unity to Rose saying, "I would gladly house both of you." I um, don't, and she's kind of confused as why she's like, "Why would you not be a part of that?" And she's just kind of Rose is just giving her some ambiguous answers. Mm-hmm. Um, sweet dreams, she says, ironic.
0: Yeah. And Rose is getting her affairs in order because she thinks dream might make a move tonight. So that's why she's kind of getting her ducks in a row. And that brings us to the dream sequence of the night where she just come. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, let's so you can you can keep going. We're going to do everything from the dream starting until they wake up when the baby is born in the hospital. So basically that whole night, because this is going to be our last long conversation of a bucket of scenes. So keep going.
0: Yeah. So Rose goes to bed. Obviously, the people that she's close to are Once again, the people from the Airbnb, whatever. And she starts out in another one of Hal's, his, her Broadway production dreams and opens a door into the same field that Barbie's dream was taking place in a couple episodes ago. And sure enough, she is once again with Martin Tenbones, which is iconic. (laughs) And her her and Martin Tenbones stumble upon Ken, who is getting top in like a Lamborghini or something which is insane but before that we skipped over Chantal was trying to speak again but didn't she was much more tense and serious because she didn't have Zelda and the child Zelda comes up and it's just like oh let me help with this Mm -hmm. so they're all dreaming again moral of the story being Rose starts losing control of her power the vortex actually begins to manifest in the dream and it is literally a black hole to the dreaming and rose has to watch as one of one by one her airbnb guestmates gets sucked into the vortex jed comes out of nowhere and just jumps right into which is Fucking absolutely jed. insane so and dream played this very well because he could have stepped in whenever And he intentionally let her see the damage that her powers could do, then pulled her out and was just like, listen, everybody's fine for now. You haven't done anything that I can't fix, but that's not going to be the case pretty soon. We need to do this. And he kind of used some of that humanity he's been learning all this season and was just like, I have a responsibility. I will take no pleasure in this. I actually know you at this point and I am genuinely sorry that this is the way it has to be.
1: I'm so salty that the Airbnb... Like, as soon as Jed jumped in, I knew, like, everybody was safe. But I thought if this show wanted to be next level, they should have killed... all, Had that have real consequences and all the Airbnbers could have died. But then Jed jumps in. I was like, okay, everybody's fine.
2: Yeah, the safety. I was getting a mad One Piece vibes of when Luffy is going against Kuma and Kuma's Uh. just like sending all of his crewmates away one by one that was Mm -hmm. what i was thinking of in the moment i don't really have too much to say besides just like the cgi in the scene looked really well done i was definitely laughing at jed just showing up (laughs) like i'm gonna save the day and then just getting (laughs) right into the vortex it's like what did you expect man (laughs) i was kind of giggling at that but still very well done scene i love that we finally get all of what dream has been learning in this season in this kind of one shot at the end with his conversation with Rose, mm-hmm. it, it was just so, it just makes you feel so worth it with all the kind of arrogance that he had a little bit earlier in the season with like Lucien and um, like all the people he'd been interacting with. I It's, it just came full circle and it was really pleasurable to watch.
3: I kind of just liked how she was coming to terms with it. She's just saying like, you know, come on, get it over with. He's just trying to comfort her, which he probably wouldn't have done. But because he's, you know, learning more about humanity, he's like, you know, death isn't all that bad. You know, you could come here, you could be a raven if you wanted.
2: Well, it's death is my sister, and she's really nice.
3: Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and then this is where we get uh, Gilbert running in, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry, Fiddler's Green.
1: Yeah, this is as Dream is offering her a spot to stay in the dream. Thought it was a though she Dies next. Well, yeah. Okay. That's that's gonna ha- I bucket that in when it all, all happens right, together. Yeah, so fun. yeah, Gilbert shows up and like they have the conversation like why does why does vortex even why do dream vortexes even exist and the fiddler's green goes on this big explanation um before i think he actually turns into the green right yeah mm-hmm. yeah what did he, you guys he, take away from the conversation or i guess his speech
3: yeah it, i didn't fully agree with it but he was saying like i believe vortexes exist so we as You know the dream. Remember that we serve them was his big.
1: I didn't love that part. Yeah,
3: and I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, where's the where's the? I feel like there's a lot of middle ground in between those two statements. Um, So I, I wasn't a huge fan.
0: Yeah, to me, he established the same point that they've been driving home all season: the endless dreams, nightmares exist to serve humans. And then he just connected that. To the vortex with absolutely no bridge to connect it
3: okay. to so it's not just me and oh, i was like just...
0: "Hi, right, gilbert you're you're great <laughs> get out of here exit stage left become a forest
3: we'll see you again real soon yeah, yeah.
1: that's i couldn't even take notes on it because i didn't know how to explain what he just tried to say
3: do you think there's any gilbert kush in the fiddler screen? green
1: oh yeah well, definitely
0: confirmed yeah it's the, the dank-est, dankest of
1: dank <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay.
2: exactly um, what i was gonna say <laughs>
0: Another great thing, which goes along with what Luke was saying earlier, Sandman says, I cannot find it in my heart to punish you, Fiddler's Green. Like, yeah. you are the OG of OGs. Get out of here, you little scam. <laughs> when you
2: said that, too, I was like, you better bring Galt back right now. Yes, 100%. Now. I, was, I was like, there's no way you're going to let Fiddler's Green off the off the hook and then not have Galt come back in some way. You know.
1: So put it on the board right now. Is Fiddler's Green... Zactor going to be in season two is his actor going to show up or is he just going to kind of be an essence
0: i don't uh, think he gets to be a human again he's
3: yeah he, he's the forest now i want to say that i want to say but we don't say see it him. like
1: when
2: you say it like that though he doesn't get to be a human again it's making me think like i think he will become a
1: human again Maybe. i'm saying yes
2: so if you want this is on
1: the board i'm it's, writing this shit a down dream right now
2: realm so if he just dr- like if someone were like if rose now that she's human just dreams of Fiddler's Green, being a person and interacting with him, then she could do it, right? I'm like, wondering yes if no. maybe
0: he can yes. manifest. Nice. I'm gonna say he can probably manifest in a human shape in his forest. So yes, we will see the actor, or he ca- will voice act like through a tree and just be a voice that speaks to Rose. Now, the actor question. will be back,
1: and plus, yes, he, okay, that he, was my question.
2: And plus, he even says to Rose, like, "Come visit me. Walk through my glades. Walk through my greenery, and we'll, like we'll reconnect." So I think he would. It, like B Tom said would just embody himself as a human when Rose comes to see her
1: so let's take her home to one of the bigger twists of this series again which is again centered around unity insane we have her quick centered scene
2: Around desire technically
1: well yeah <laughs> well fuck yeah. yeah but uh so we have the quick scene that happened earlier where Unity shows up to the rural library and then talks to Lucien about reading her what if book like what would have happened if I lived and then that leads to her showing up with Lucien. Right before Dream absorbs Rose, and they kind of give us the whole laydown that she was the OG Vortex. She was supposed to be the Vortex.
2: That was crazy in itself. And then a little skipping a little bit ahead, when she's like, uh, "Yeah, the 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 father was this golden eyed man," and Dream was like, "Well, I only know one person with golden eyes," and I'm like, "No fucking way!" This was that was a great. This twist. was amazing because it was
1: everything we had hoped for. Like we had hoped that desire was at the root of all this after we get this realization though where you we all know what's coming as audience members of tv shows mm-hmm. rose is gonna live unity is gonna die she's gonna sacrifice she rose whips out the coolest looking heart ever and i was getting um Kingdom like zelda vibes i was gonna, I was
3: gonna I was say Zelda. Zelda yeah. ocarina yeah, when Time. you
1: kill the fucking
2: heartless in yes Kingdom also Hearts, that spawn that, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. spawn that heart yeah spawn that
1: either way super cool but the desire the, the whole desire plot twist was almost as good as it could have been I, I even up until two minutes before this I didn't see any of this coming and I don't I don't think we even considered this being an option as a podcast as we were going through the season right no
3: I just want to Join in and say that I think we should add Unity to the fuck this character train because I got so mad at her when she comes up and says like I'm Unity Kincaid like um I was supposed to be the Vortex before like I felt and and Dream goes like what and she goes oh you're not that bright are you (laughs) and I was like dude shut up like he is Dream of the Endless like give him some respect you stupid dead unity also I don't know.
2: prison for a hundred years that you didn't you weren't aware <sighs> of so he,
1: he clearly had missed some some pieces here
3: i just i was so frustrated
1: but Not as uh, frustrated as you <laughs> i i don't care i love the twist so much i don't give a shit about the, anything the, that the
3: twist me. the twist was pretty good i'm gonna go back into it a little bit more because i do have some questions about it um
1: do you want to save it for when we talk about desire's scene or you want to get into yes. it yes
3: no no i'm gonna save it until desire sheet but yeah that heart just that. Um, did you guys think that that heart looked like Desires' heart? Well, you know what? I'll get, I'll save that for Desires too. Never mind.
1: Okay. All right. So we're that that ends the dream. It ends the vortex threat. We're all good. The Airbnb beers are fine. You know, baby's the baby's born. born. Everything's fine. And this is you know whatever. It's going to be a happy ending, especially for Hal, who gets to live out his dream. He's going to sell his house to the twins. Or we're mm-hmm. lovers, we don't know, right? Like they never clarified. Um, and then he's gonna move to New York when they go to fly to Unity, right?
3: Yeah.
1: And no. I think oh, they, wow.
3: they don't fly to Unity. They don't they fly go. to Unity I mean, They, live, they? In yeah, they live in New York, yeah. Because
0: Unity's up. dead, but they get her estate, so they're financially set up. They live with Hal and Hal's new boyfriend with Lida, her baby, Rose, and Jed. Yes.
1: It's a nice little happy miss uh dysfunctional family, if I do say mm-hmm. so myself. Totally. And I was happy with it. I feel like Barbie and Ken ended up being great. Like the the It was just a dream. Get yeah, over the stupid storyline about him getting head from the nurse and whatever. And then Barbie with obviously the GOAT of the entire freaking show, Martin Tenbones. Yeah. Um I also love that uh, Ken
2: and Jed kind of like dap each other up. That was like yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Man. I was it was <laughs> great seeing Jed so happy as a secret yeah. handshake with Ken. It was just awesome.
3: Yeah. I feel like they try to make they try to paint Ken out as like a bad guy. But like yeah, he dabbed up and had a secret handshake with Jed. And I was like, this guy's awesome, dude.
1: So man. is Barbie though. She dreams about fantasy. She can, you know, oh yeah. Any day of the week.
3: And what didn't Martin Denbones uh refer to her as Barbara? Yes. yes princess, barbara, barbara. princess yeah.
1: barbara i hope i hope he's in it in the future so much no, but uh, i would be
2: shocked if we get more of martin ten bones <laughs> unless it's like it's such an audience favorite that they're just like fuck mm-hmm. we have to bring martin ten bones back like,
3: i i like i actually want to go back to episode one when we're kind of going through the endless in the very beginning and he's introducing us to everything there is a creature that the looks endless, the dreaming yes the dreaming i'm sorry there's a creature that we see in that sequence, that looks dangerously close to Martin Tenbones. So I want to go back and see if they <laughs> they teased us in him episode one. Give us the
2: more name Martin Tenbones. It's just so
1: good. You Can think he has ten bones? <laughs> uh, that's how he got his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now is when we're going to get to the part where it's one of Dream's most badass sequences of the entire season, in my opinion. He, after getting this whole realization from Unity, he goes right over to what did he call it the sigil Sigil. of desire which he it seems like it seems like every single one of the endless has sigil represent representations of all the other endless so they can communicate Uh like they like they do and of course Desire's sigil is literally the heart that created the dream vortex and he says like he he calls desire right away and says i'm coming over right now and just like (coughs) jumps in and then this whole scene's open for debate so paul if you want to take us through
3: I uh, yeah, I just wanted to clear something up that we said in past episodes. We were saw Desire in his gallery, I believe, is what um, Dream ended up calling it. He says, "I'm in my gallery. I'm going to come to your realm." Mm-hmm. Um, so we were thought it was like a trophy room that Desire was standing in front of, but I think you're exactly right. It's just everybody's realm has their own gallery in which they can go to. Yes, yeah, people's realms.
2: Yep. So do we think that Hellman was?
1: Dream. That's Dreams how you would have talked, talked to, dream. to Dream, yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um. And that exactly what you said, Luke. That heart that Rose pulls out of herself to give to Unity looks very similar to Desire's sigil. Um. And to go f- more into this conversation, when Dream gets there, first of all, Desire's actor is amazing. I think he's so good at being this little shit. And like yeah. smirking and um, just saying like the most annoying things to get on your skin. But this is where I get a little confused because Dream comes in and he says, Seems like somebody knew or somebody took advantage of me being imprisoned and Unity Kincaid, who was supposed to be the vortex of this era or whatever, millennium, decade, whatever he said, somebody took advantage of that and had a child with her in her dream because they knew that would become the vortex or had a child with her, I believe is what they said. So how the hell did that happen? If one dream doesn't know what vortexes are, where they come from or what they're supposed to do. And almost desire had all of this knowledge somehow and how desire impregnated unity in the real life
1: in the dreaming i would assume because i feel like it was an open floodgate with with dream being absent i think it's just an open gate of for especially for endless
3: but didn't unity say that she got pregnant in real life while she was asleep yes and we talked about like we we thought she was raped or whatever
2: it was the lightest situation but But, versus instead of it being caused by a vortex it was caused by an endless
3: Okay, so Unity was a vortex, even though she was asleep, and I she was able to have that baby come into real life. How is Rose sense. alive?
2: That would actually make sense to me, too, if the vortex originally, who was asleep and couldn't do anything with her powers, had a child with an endless. I just think having sex with an endless, whether it's in the dreaming, breaks all rules. It's just, yeah, it's just, yes. it's a fair game. It's like, how did. uh mother was her mother mary how did she get pregnant with jesus christ you know that kind of thing like yeah, mother okay. mary i don't know anything about the story of jesus of the christ. bible <laughs> yeah i don't know anything about that but it's kind of like that it's just because it's god because it's an endless they can just impregnate you yeah okay however. i'm, I'm gonna
1: throw everything out the out the door because it's an endless it could but, come back we could get
2: details in season two of probably not honestly now i'm thinking about it, how this show is how it's been, but so no, so Maybe what? it does have something to do with unity being the vortex at the time, and then it was the vortex having sex with an endless. I just think it's the endless at the end of the day, is the reason that she was able to get pregnant.
3: Okay, yeah. They were in the dreaming, had Unity had sex with um desire, whatever. That's fine. But what happens in the real world? Does she because Unity says to Rose, I'm your great great grandmother. So it's not like unity is is rose's mother so it's like what unity was birth. asleep she gave Wa- birth yes. yeah okay so
1: that's implied because a hundred years passed and this is the great great granddaughter so multiple generations passed
3: my follow-up question to that is okay so desire helped it was basically the father of this child of unity's child mm-hmm. so Back to the scene where Dream is saying to Unity, like, what was your plan? Were you trying to get me to spill sibling blood? So was he trying to say as soon if Dream killed Rose, that would have technically been spilling sibling blood and that would have broken one of the protocols? That's what I was getting. Desire had like a deep, deep plan here, because um, if, if that if what we were talking about is true and Desire is technically the father if Dream killed Rose, that would start one of the the snowball effects of you know going against the protocols of the realm. But because Unity basically sacrificed herself, Dream didn't have to kill the blood of like you know one of his siblings. That's what I was getting.
1: Yeah, you- I, that's tough. Now that you're saying that, I guess I really haven't had enough time to think about it to to poke any holes in those questions. But I, I guess you're right. I think we need to just find out more about the motivations of. desire
2: Desire. i was just going to say the same thing luke i think these questions won't be fully revealed or won't be fully answered until we get the motivations behind why desire wanted to do that like at the end of the day i think it was to spill sibling blood but why desire
1: must have desire could be working with lucifer or something about some way to overthrow god maybe like we don't we don't know anything yet really like i feel like we're just building up but whatever desires ultimate plans are that's going to give a lot of insight into what the goal was here, trying to move the dream vortex. The only
2: hint that we get is that dream does give uh, that sentence where he says something along the lines of like, um, we are the humans servants, like not their masters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, it's going to be something along the lines of desire, just wanting to control humans or just have something, maybe not want to
3: take over his realm or something like that
1: um he was end. talking shit yeah go ahead
3: when Disney. he was talking with destiny
0: we still haven't seen destiny have we Despair. you despair. mean despair. despair
3: oh i'm sorry despair yeah despair. i uh, think they were talking about like taking over his realm and whatever i'd have to go back indulge just, just
2: the motivations for desire that's really all we need
0: yeah anyway something else from this conversation that i took away is that dream was able to fucking alpha the situation grab by the face and say do you think you're more powerful than me which the answer to that is clearly no right and desire knows that as well but then he also said me death destiny so clearly those three are top of the pecking order and then there's everyone else and then we also got a new endless name drop in delirium which Mm -hmm. is insane and clearly desire despair and delirium are lower on the pecking order
1: he kind of drew a line in the sand of saying, like, these people clearly don't give a fuck about humanity versus the opposite is what yeah. I took away from it. And Dream, you know, yeah, like it makes sense. Like they're the stronger ones. And Paul, what you were getting at is that despair's first scene is when desire says that desire's like slighting desire self about the fact that they think Dream is realm is better than their own or something like that. That's that's yeah. all it was. But they yeah, think
3: it, like it, him dreaming his high horse thinks his realm is better
1: than ours but either way it does seem like there's going to be an endless war at some point and lucifer and god are going to be wild cards in it and that just to me sounds like holy fuck let's let's make that like season four and build up to that and this could be the best show ever and netflix please green light season two agreed (laughs) then <laughs> anything
0: get- else for desire i liked his little no. fucking cat tail just wagging in the
2: background <laughs> no i just like the uh the final line that he gives he's like next time i will draw blood that i just thought that was really definitely
1: badass. yes so two more scenes here and we'll go in chronological order here and this is dream's last scene of the season this is gulp dream lucien just the making of how dream goes through the process of, of creating nightmares and dreams did not think we were going to get anything on this, this season. And I, I still want a lot more, but this was so good at um, making me more curious. Like I loved the process of like mid formed new dreams and the recreation of a nightmare into a dream. This was a beautiful scene. And thank God Galt doesn't have a bad ending for this season.
0: It was the, giving me some Westworld vibes, creating the hosts Mm -hmm. like just the white bodies. Um, But yeah, great scene. I was really rooting for gold. And at this point in the episode, I was more kind of expecting it since Fiddler green had his send off and everything. But yeah, that was great. She gets the happy ending too. lots of happy endings for this season, but I guess they gave us some really dark low points during the season. So it makes sense that everything gets wrapped up happily, but yeah, like you said, very cool that they even introduced the concept of him crafting his dreams and nightmares. I think the fact that they left the remnants of the Corinthian in that little skull is just another seed that they're planting to harvest again. But I think that's kind of covered in how he makes his dreams and nightmares.
1: The actor so, will be back. Yeah,
0: awesome. That's awesome. Because he killed
2: it. He killed it. But two, we don't even know if we will come back. Well, we if there's season a season two, he's yeah. coming yeah. back. Yeah. Corinthians
1: coming back.
3: Dream gave the little skull with teeth to Lucien was like, put that somewhere safe. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna it's definitely come, come back, back to that. And
1: yeah. he'll come back as an ally, too. Yeah, yes, w- which is will be, awesome. be
3: hype. So, it'll be like galt, it'll be like a corrected knife. Yeah, yeah.
1: I like
2: it's really subtle, but he's just like, I'm finishing a dream. And Lucien's like, All right then, I'll leave it to you. And he's just like, Don't you don't you want to say hi? Mm-hmm. And it's this fucking galt that comes out with the fucking butterfly wings. Oh my god, it was just we had so many dark moments all season and I'm finally getting like the happiness that I wanted to get finally from the show. And it, it just was coming all full sur- circle here at the end, especially with Galt coming back and all the talk of humanity, like the Corinthians saying like he wanted to feel human fiddler's green, you know, wanted to feel human and now Galt's getting her second chance here as well. So mm-hmm. just really well done. CGI was amazing here. Of course, um, Lucy unhappy is me happy. So,
0: and Good self-awareness from dream because he explicitly says, you know, this is going to be the dawning of a new era for the dreaming. I know in the past that I wasn't listening to you guys the way that I should have. Both of you tried to tell me that, but now I'm all ears essentially.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: It's all good. Put there. A bow on it. Yeah, a dictator. yeah. He was a dictator and now he's a leader. Like he's an I mean, actual
3: leader. I just thought it was a really cool workshop because he says, you know, like Lucy and I'll be working. I'll be here working for a little while. So why don't you take a uh, take over some roles and duties? Yeah. Um, and I was just like, such a cool background, such a cool landscape. It's almost like a beach, but it's almost like it's a cool little desert. Just, the dreaming is, is so, so cool.
2: Then it just flips to the complete opposite setting
1: of, we get the shots of hell, baby inject this into my veins. This is one of my favorite scenes of the entire show because First of all, I was begging for Brienne of Tarth to get back on my screen, and she's amazing in her red. She looks incredible. Her servant's there. And then they even go as far to introduce us into a new leadership hierarchy within Hell itself, talking about the Lords of Hell. And we get introduced to this new one, Lord Azazel. And if you guys don't know, um, that is the same name as the character from X-Men First Class. It's Mm -hmm. the same character, the devil character that it's based on, the one that can teleport He's also Nightcrawler's father in X-Men. Sick. Um, yeah, all, all awesome. But he's just known as like the devil, right? Like he's one of the, the lords of hell, clearly. But the reason I love this so much is because this is without a doubt End Game conversations. Like sh- plans are being spun. Desire is going to be the next level tier of villain compared to Corinthian. But like we're talking about Lucifer versus God, the devil versus God. Yeah. Because we're talking about invading the silver city, which I think is heaven. Yeah. And Brienne is like starting to make moves. I don't know why she holds such a grudge against Morpheus, but she says some, I'm going to do something, something that will make God absolutely live it and bring Morpheus to his knees. And this just, this is just the, this is the seed plant for three seasons down the road of like when we're actually going to get to the end game of this show. And I, I love this scene so much. Is Azazel, a subservient
2: of Lucifer, yeah, okay, like, but probably one of the higher commanders. Of it sounds the like they're a,
1: they're a general, like a lord of hell. Yeah.
2: I love the say. design of Azazel so fucking much. <laughs> I thought it was so dope. It just looked like I don't even know how to describe it. It was just so badass. The only thing I can think of is Pride from Full Metal Alchemist. Like that's exactly yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he looks so badass, so intimidating. It's you have a situation kind of like was it one voice talking or were there multiple voices in Azazel talking?
3: There was one main one, but there was, like, another floating mouth in the background that had, like, one short little input. Yeah, I was getting, like, like,
2: Fates vibe a little bit, in a sense. Like, maybe this is kind of Lucifer's Fates, and the Fates maybe work for God. I'm just kind of pulling shit out of my ass, but just really loved Azazel's introduction. And like Luke said, this is going to set us up for probably the whole fucking show. I was
3: going to... I could be the beginning of next season, like for all I know. Like, I hope it's a build up, like you're saying, Luke. But,
2: yeah, like- she
0: was talking Endgame, the creator, but via taking over the dreaming first. So it sure, seemed yeah. like that was the first thing to take over. Then they bleed into the waking realm and, yeah. you know, everything else. Yeah, it's just Luchan- the way
3: they said, like, the demon generals demand action. And she's like, well, you know, tell them I'm going to start taking action then. So it made me think, well, the ball was going to be set in motion. Yeah. Maybe the beginning as soon as, you know, the beginning of next season.
0: We did see Mazakeen of the Lilim again. I just like that that's Lucifer's number two. And then, oh, shit, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Lost it. Sorry. All right.
2: Uh, I have a question, though. Do we like uh, maybe I might have missed this or something, but do did God create Lucifer too? Or do we think Lucifer is going to be like the antithesis of God? Like they're both no, on I the think, same level.
1: Assuming it's the it's the way that they're going to go is the normal religion way where she's a fallen angel.
3: Okay. Yeah. yeah they already that's said true. that. Yeah. That's true. I, I forgot about that.
2: Yeah. I, that's why I was wondering if I was missing something here. Did
3: um, God create angels? Yeah. Two Okay. Too high of a questions for us to have solid answers to, but I want to say yes. Angels are like ravens for dream.
2: Okay, but we we are still on the same page. So if we were to like tier these like characters and pit by position, it would be like God was at the top, and then Lucifer, and
1: then the Endless. Is that how we decided it was? And the prodigal is one of the angels. but a good angel. Okay. That's what I'm guessing.
0: So you don't think the prodigal is one of the Endless?
2: No, cool. I don't think so either. I don't know if I would go as far as, say, angel. It might be their
3: own thing, though. Like, kind of on the same level as Lucifer. Uh, Yeah.
1: I have no legs to stand on. That's such a total guess. Mm.
3: Such a good scene, though, to wrap up season one. Like, Mm. such a badass, powerful. Like you were saying, I didn't even know if we were going to get, you know, Brienne back. I really got to get her actress's name down. Actors' name down.
0: Gwendolyn Christie.
3: Gwendolyn Christie. We don't know if we're going to get Gwendolyn Christie back. Um, But she's so good. She crushed it. And Lucifer is such a cool character.
1: So I want to save a lot of our, you know, final, final thoughts for the next bonus content episode, because I'm, I know nothing about the bonus content episode, but I'm sure it's going to add some level of information to where we can change our opinions a little bit. Um, I also need some more time to sit with all this and rewatch it because I just fucking love the ending. Those final scenes we went through were just incredible. And the season was incredible. And I need more content. And if it gets canceled is the day that I pick up and read all of the Sandman and I'll probably read it anyway. Cause I'm so yeah. interested in this world, but it was a great season. I would recommend this. I would feel comfortable recommending this to almost anybody. And yeah, like I, I don't really have anything else to say. I fucking love dream and Tom Sturridge. I loved Joanna Constantine. I loved Hobbs so much. I loved death. I love the setup. Like, corinthian was grew on me so much like this was a great season and just looking back i had a great time covering this and i'm happy we get one more bonus episode
2: just how i feel about these characters is just so reminiscent of like my favorite shows like with the magicians like when i watched season one like there were so many characters and storylines that just pulled me in just the magic and everything is just so amazing the world building when this has been incredible yeah not really much else to say besides like i just am in love with a lot of these characters like Hobbs is definitely now an OG of mine. That's for sure.
3: I was going to hey, say not, enough. not not a lot of Hobbs. Uh, I'm say not any Hobbs at, for the end of the season. But I'm really, really hoping we get some.
1: He'll play the, a big part.
3: Yeah, well, in these two bonus and, episodes too, and Hetty. Yeah,
2: none of our wish list. Hetty, I forgot about. Yeah, none of our wish list items came t- to fruition, unfortunately. Sure. But Hobbs is definitely the 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 golden part of this whole thing for me
0: yeah and i guess that brings us to me great season one for me the one thing i appreciate about this show is how many seeds they planted just the one that's sticking out is like episode three when he goes to see the fates and the one fate is just like you didn't help us back when cersei was fucking around with us like who was cersei why do they have beef because of that what what Mm -hmm. decision did dream make that ticked off the fates just like so many one-liners it's it's something game of thrones did really really well and i already associate just good seed planting as good storytelling so i appreciate it paul you've said like you just dove headfirst into the kind of the universe of the witcher and you're doing the same with this i'm the same way like i when I get something I can really sink my teeth into, I just dive head first. And this is that for me so far. I think I'm probably gonna do a little bit of lore research between season one and two because I just want to know more. But that's that's all I got, guys. Anything else? Sweet. That is unofficially end of season one coverage we're not counting the bonus two episodes netflix release but we will definitely be covering them uh but this will be the end of our season one first 10 episodes coverage as always if you like what you heard give bingetown tv a follow on twitter and instagram visit us on bingetowntv.com and subscribe to our show on spotify youtube the apple podcast app or wherever else you may find your podcast once again we are bingetown tv And thanks for listening.
1: You're listening to the Geekscape
3: Network.